Welcome to Machine Learning. This week was very busy. Um, I was able to work on a number of projects in both Python, Flutter, and C Sharp. I'm working between three different languages and a couple different environments. So, can I kind of outline what I want to talk about today? Um, I talk about Flutter and uh, business logic object components, uh, streaming, why they're why it's important, and uh, uh, talk about uh, k-means clustering as it come as it uh, relates to feature reduction and um, some of the ideas I have about uh, data science where. I think uh, data science is going in businesses and where it can be useful. Um, one of the things I did notice just on a, a to start was that uh, if you're not constantly looking at your data um, and thinking about what new things can be discovered, then you're probably uh, making assumptions that aren't true. And uh, I was, it was interesting because uh, I was looking at some data and, and uh, I was making, I was doing some joins on the SQL and, and I kept getting this duplicate record and I kept thinking, well, why, it can't be a duplicate record. Uh, everything that I've done, you know, was connected correctly. And, and so I was like, well, it has to be that something in the, was wrong in the data. So there was a. Uh, so what I did is, then I I looked at these two entity tables, and I said, well, the only way this could happen is that they'd have this uh, ID would have to be in both of these entity tables, but it didn't seem to make sense logically that they would be the same ID in both of those tables. Uh, but. Uh, it was possible because of the data architecture in the ERP allowed that to happen. So uh, I tested it and sure enough, uh, there was in both places. And so either it was a maintenance issue or it was done intentionally. And, and, that's, uh, and that's what you're always gonna be faced with with data is that uh, some of the rules and assumptions that you have about your data are um, you're going to have outliers, and and those outliers are going to throw off your your uh, system. So um, the way in machine learning they deal with outliers is they standardize it and normalize it so that the features don't have excessive contributions. That everything is falling within the standard deviation of one, and that makes for better. Uh, better predictability on the machine learning. Well, a lot of things are changing. Um, going back to Flutter, I was kind of excited about Flutter because I started thinking about uh, widgets as objects and the fact that we can do many of the object-oriented patterns with Flutter because it is an object-oriented uh, programming environment and language and uh, 
So one pattern that I really like, and I've I've used it uh, in some of my other C sharp programs, is the observable pattern. And the observable pattern uh, really yields nicely to reactive type of programming. And reactive programming um, uh, has a feature where it's observing a data stream and when there's uh, changes to the data stream then that affects the UI so that's one way one direction uh, the secondary direction is that the UI can uh, pass data to a data sync and uh, the data sync then can transmit that data onto the stream and so that might be uh, that might be like in the case with asynchronous uh, HTTP is that we're going to pass a JSON string down the stream it goes to the HTTP server it communicates the protocols authenticates transmits the data um, and uh, uh, it doesn't actually protocol that way like telnet but it it uh, it transmits a header with authentication information in it with a bearer token and uh, and then uh, on the server it's running asynchronous over there it uh, processes the communication through the entity framework or orb object relational database and uh, and then transacts it and then returns back the status of 200 saying that it was successful and uh, payload comes back with whatever class structure list structure that you have defined uh, is returned as a payload and uh, and then your UI continues e either blocked or non-blocked so if it was going non-blocked, it'll continue on doing other things in the UI, and then when it returns back, uh, it has a callback or a promise that's picked up, and then the promise uh, processes that information. Um, so the... The way this, this, why the streams are valuable is because now what it allows for is the business logic not to be in the UI. And um, it's always a temptation to put logic or rules in the UI. And what that does um, is creates inconsistency in your business logic. Um, and so, you know, at one time maybe it made sense to have the rules a certain way in the user interface, and so it passed quality assurance or quality testing. But then, in another time, business analyst has questions about why this UI has a different behavior than another UI that has similar functions or has a similar function and that um, creates kind of a 
inconsistency and so then you have to ask yourself well why didn't we just program that in the business logic object component and those roles uh, would interact with the interface interface would interact with the, the block code um, acronym and uh, and then the rules if you had to change your rules then you would just go to your your business logic piece and change the rules there so that that uh, the communication between the sync and the stream allows then for that decoupling to occur and so that's just a better way to do your business logic and then you can follow the model view controller where the block is sitting uh, in the uh, model or in the controller section so the controller talking has cases of so and um, and the way they do it in Flutter is you have a provider object as the parent and that, and that provider object is an inherited widget and so it receives as a child your your uh, business logic object component and and these these are are just classes and so you can have you know a block code for uh, HR one for county or uh, accounts receivable whatever and uh, or they could be you know some sort of business functionality or domain or groups of tasks that you have as a, defined as an object class that are interacting with the user interface. And they can have objects embedded inside of them, so they can be referencing other classes that do work. And so these are, these are uh, functionality that uh, provides so that what happens is once you have that then uh, you you tie that to the material application as a child and the provider uh, is called and when it uh, and then when you have your uh, application material application it uh, calls a, um, it, has, it calls a builder in, in its build function and then in the build function you set up your material stream so the, the, mater, the material builder the material builder uh, excuse me the build, the build function then has a stream builder and so then what you get you sign the stream to the the provider dot block dot stream okay and then you can set, set your initial data and the initial data is in your block code so everything is in the block code but you have to ref you can reference it by the provider because it's an inherited widget so that's at your top level and you use that inherited widget to communicate between uh, your material application widget, which would be your UI, and your business logic component.
so hopefully that makes sense. So once you have that, the Stream Builder then has a context and an index. And that index then is used to access the list that um, is of objects inside of your block code. So in your block code, you have a value. And that's its job is to store the values that the UI are going to be interfacing with. And so in the case where I, I wanted to interact with it, um, I had a my list and, uh, and it could be uh, let's say customers. So you have a list of customer classes. And then you, you call the API. API loads up that list of customers. And so it's running async. And then when it's done, then uh, you call your scaffolding. And as part of the scaffolding body is where you set up stream builder and the builder that is tied to two things um, it has it references the block stream controller so inside of the block code you have a stream controller and its job is to reference the data structure which would be list customer in your block code and so and to create the stream so the, the business logic component has now a stream that it interacts with and just think of that stream as like a channel it's a bus things are or a pipe better way of thinking of it is a pipe so things are going to go out on that pipe. And what's going to go out on that pipe is your list of customers. So then your UI interacts with the sync uh, by having a certain event. So like say in your UI you have a remove event where you're going to remove an item from your list and you want that then after you remove that item from the list for the street builder in your uh, UI widget to regenerate the list and so or to uh, to remove the to make a uh, Maybe not remove the regenerate the list, but that'd be kind of an efficient. Uh, just remove the item from the list, so you can remove the item from the list, and then also uh, make a call to the API to remove it from the database. So that transaction maybe to remove that customer from the, the database, or maybe it's a note. Maybe that's a note that you have stored on the database and you want to remove it. So that there's an event that occurs. So first thing it 
it does is uh, the UI has a basically a pointer function or a delegate to inside of the business class and you're going to reference that delegate or pointer function uh, as defined by a controller, a sync controller. And so when uh, when there's a certain event on the UI, you pass a class of the same type as the value stored in uh, your business logic to a getter. So there's a getter in your business logic component and that references the delegate or the pointer function of the method in the business class that will actually be invoked. So it's kind of complex when you think about it. I had to diagram it on my board when I walked through it, but it worked. And um, and the reason they have to do these referencing, and they just don't call avoid call callback like we talked about last week about using uh, inherited widgets to call methods in other classes or in the parent class or to set up a void callback and then call back the functions that way is that uh, streams use controllers so they have a sync controller and they have a stream controller and that's how you interact with uh, that's how you interact with the stream and uh, so that's been kind of the architecture and I guess in Flutter they do that quite a bit uh, you can also set up text field controllers and you can interact using those controllers with the class. So that's just a different way of thinking about how you would interact with the data inside of a class that's being referenced externally uh, is through controllers. So the controller allows you to get the values of the text field and so the controllers uh, control the sync in the stream and also you have another different controller type that controls the stream. So then you have that so now you have the ability for the UI to change the values in the business class according to business logic so that it could go over there and run some business logic. It could swap uh, components, it could sort components, it can remove components, it can add components, whatever type of manipulation you want to do on that uh, data element variable. And then uh, when the subject, so you have a behavior subject on the stream, and that that's comes to the observable pattern. So what the observable pattern says is that you basically have a subject or, and that subject is a subscriber and that subscriber uh, can be notified when a certain action occurs. So in the case here when I have my subject and I do a dot add and I pass my uh, change data structure 
then it's going to uh, send a notification or it's going to broadcast and expose that data out to the stream and then when it exposes the data out to the stream then it causes the UI uh, stream builder to uh, detect that there's been a change in the stream and to uh, render render the objects again. Okay, so that's kind of the log on the, on the flutter. Uh, I also worked with K-Means quite a bit. That was really interesting. Uh, I don't use K-Means and I've, I've talked about K-Means uh, clustering, but uh, they, they went into more detail about uh, using dental, dendrograms to the number of clustering in a hierarchy so it builds a hierarchical cluster so it's taking it's taking your your data and looking to see basically um, how far what's the distance between its nearest neighbor and then um, grouping them together and so in the case they, they did uh, they used one where they had data for the Eurovision, and the Eurovision has a number of different countries, and then they get scored. Songs get different artists get scored by different countries, and then they, so it's a contest that goes that way. And so it was you look at the features, and you want to see you know what countries are kind of featured together, you know that might have some groupings. Uh, in the feature levels that are kind of grouped together and uh, maybe they have the same language or they uh, they share common styles uh, and scoring maybe their scoring is similar but something that uh, draws them together and uh, that uh, is then can be seen in the hierarchy Then you can kind of see like at different levels or heights in the dendrogram where uh, different features are grouping together. And I can tell you certain things about which countries may be correlated together. And that might cause you to do further analysis on those, those particular countries. Um, and maybe you're doing some marketing and you want to and you want to market to these companies, countries, this music, and so you're looking at these dendrograms to see if there's any common features. So the height then can be extracted with an F-cluster, uh, and that will allow you then to see at a certain height uh, the sub-query, you can say, of countries that match in those clusters. So that's, that's one area that was kind of interesting. The other one was uh, T-distributed stochastic, uh, I uh, can't remember what, uh, exponentials. And what that, that uh, TSNE -S -S -E does is 
feature reduction. So it's removing features that are noisy, that don't really contribute, and, uh, and identifying groupings that uh, could uh, be similar. And so in the case with the iris flower, I did, uh, I put the data in, and I could see three distinct groupings from the dimension reduction. So where each feature is a dimension, it then is able to show you how many features are clustering together. So you could use that, you know, against big data where you have lots of features and you want to see, you know, how the clustering is looking. Because what you're really looking for is pattern. So as you observe these patterns and phenomena, then you can you can start to make a null hypothesis guess, and you can go put that into your probability and look at the distributions, and then you can run permutations, and you can do uh, you can do checks to see how uh, how the data is being and that could lead you to making conclusions like if you make a guess that uh, maybe the three countries are very similar in their preferences for country music let's say and that's your hypothesis then you can gather data and check to see if that hypothesis uh, correlates through statistical probability. And if it looks like it's a normal distribution, then you might want to check the exponential to see if uh, you can predict timing, if there's some sort of time element, and look at the time elements for certain occurrences, the probability of certain occurrences. And then when you get those probabilities, that can build, you can put them in intervals, and you can then have these confidence intervals of certain events that will occur. So the statistics is really powerful in that sense because they then give you these bands of operation <coughs> that give you a certain confidence range. And so... Um, I can really see the value in statistical uh, 